0: To begin with a question: what does it mean to live in the blessing of God? What does it mean to live in the blessing of God? Uh, the passage that we're looking at this morning as we continue our new series in the book of Genesis, is very clear that the Lord blessed Abraham in every way, and we'll see what some of those ways are as we read later. That's all very well for Abraham. But what if our experience is different? Great for Abraham, but what about if God hasn't blessed you with riches and an abundant lifestyle? Maybe you'd be happy to at least have a job. Maybe you'd be happy for someone to get back to you from an interview. It's all very well for Abraham, isn't it? Great for Isaac, but what about if God doesn't seem to have chosen a wife or a husband for you? As far as you're aware. He didn't even have to put any effort in Isaac. He just got this godly, beautiful wife delivered to him without lifting a finger. It's all very well for Isaac, isn't it? I'll be honest with you. I I struggle preaching on uh, passages like this because passages like this have caused me to question God's blessing. Here's how the story goes in my head. In the case of Abraham, to be blessed by God includes being given children. God hasn't given me any children, therefore God has withheld blessing from me. That's how the story goes in my head, or does sometimes at least, tempted to go that way. Now I realise Abraham had to wait a long time, more than, more than my ten years, and he knew what childlessness through infertility was like. But they became pregnant in the end and gave birth to a child. And as you'll see in chapter 25, Isaac too struggled but they were blessed with a child in the end. Or perhaps your uh, thing that's on your heart is singleness. Isaac had to wait for his wife. He was 37 when his mother Sarah died. He was 40 when he married Rebecca. Maybe you'll have that husband or that wife by the time you reach 40. Maybe you won't. Maybe you're way past 40, and that longing was never fulfilled. I realise that some people might uh, enjoy their singleness, might delight in it, even. But I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. But for many, uh, there's many who for whom singleness feels like the absence of blessing. Why is God withholding that blessing from me? And I don't want us to avoid these questions as we look at today's passage. Rather, let's face them head on. What is our God like? We've got this. We call this series the God of our ancestors. What is He like? how did our God relate to our spiritual ancestors? What did it mean for them to live under God's blessing? What might it mean for me to live in the blessing of God? If you've read the story so far, you'll know that it would be an error to think that blessed in every way means Abraham had a painless life. To be blessed doesn't necessarily mean everything has been happy. He experienced childlessness. He experienced having to send away one of his sons. He experienced nearly losing another. More recently, in the previous chapter, his wife died. Blessed doesn't mean everything's gone as we would have wanted it to, as some people would have you believe. So let's get into this morning's passage as we ask God to speak to us and enable us to hear what he has to say to us today. I'm going to read the whole of Genesis 24. Uh, It's long, So brace yourself, make yourself comfortable. Uh, And uh, unless you struggle with reading, I think it would be helpful for you to to stay with me if you could open a Bible to Genesis 24 uh, and follow along as I read. If you're using the church Bibles, it's on page 23. And as followers of Jesus, we believe that that this is the holy word of God, that the Lord uh, who we're about to read about, the Lord who spoke then, has given us this word now. So, although we might be uh, not be used to reading long chunks out, uh, let's approach this with worshipful hearts, with thankful hearts to the Lord who's given His Word to us. And uh, as we read, please would you think about this question? Simple question to think about as we read: Who is the lead character in this story? I think that will help us to answer our question about living under God's blessing. Who is the lead character in this story? Uh, If it were made into a film, who would have the starring role? Let's read uh, from Genesis 24. Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, That you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. Then the servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Nahariyam and made his way to the town of Nahor. He made the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was towards evening, the time the women go out to draw water. Then he prayed, Lord, God of my master Abraham, Make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master Before he had finished praying, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, "'Please give me a little water from your jar. "'Drink, my lord,' she said.' and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she'd given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too, until they've had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring, Wearing a becker, and two gold bracelets "'weighing ten shekels. "'Then he asked, "'Whose daughter are you? "'Please tell me, is there room in your father's house "'for us to spend the night?' "'She answered him, "'I am the daughter of Bethuel, "'the son that Milcah bore to Nahor.' "'And she added, "'We have plenty of straw and fodder, "'as well as room for you to spend the night.' "'Then the man bowed down and worshipped the Lord.' Saying, praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. The young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Now Rebecca had a brother named Laban and he hurried out to the man at the spring. As soon as he had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and he had heard Rebecca tell what the man said to her, he went out to the man and found him standing by the camels near the spring. Come, you who are blessed by the Lord, he said. Why are you standing out here? I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man went to the house, and the camels were unloaded. Straw and fodder were brought for the camels, and water for him and his men to wash their feet. Then food was set before him, but he said, I will not eat until I have told you what I have to say. Then tell us, Laban said. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly, and he has become wealthy. He has given him sheep and cattle, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. My master's wife, Sarah, has borne him a son in her old age, and he has given him everything he owns. And my master made me swear on oath and said, You must not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live, but go to my father's family and to my own clan. And get a wife for my son. Then I asked my master, what if the woman will not come back with me? He replied, the Lord, before whom I have walked faithfully, will send his angel with you and make your journey a success. So that you can get a wife for my son, from my own clan and from my father's family. You will be released from my oath if when you go to my clan they refuse to give her to you. Then you will be released from my oath. When I came to the spring today, I said, Lord, God of my master Abraham, if you will, please grant success to the journey on which I have come. See, I'm standing beside this spring. If a young woman comes out to draw water and I say to her, please let me drink a little water from your jar. And if she says to me, drink, and I'll draw water for your camels too, let her be the one the Lord has chosen for my master's son. Before I finished praying in my heart, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew water. And I said to her, please give me a drink. She quickly lowered her jar from her shoulder and said, drink and I'll water your camels too. So I drank and she watered the camels also. I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, son of Nahor, whom Milcah bore to him. Then I put the ring in her nose and the bracelets on her arms and I bowed down and worshipped the Lord. I praise the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me on the right road to get the granddaughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will show kindness and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me, so I may know which way to turn. Laban and Bethuel answered, This is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other. Here is Rebecca, take her and go and let her become the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has directed. When Abraham's servant heard what they said, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. Then the servant brought out gold and silver jewelry and articles of clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave costly gifts to her brother and to her mother. Then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there. When they got up the next morning, he said, send me on my way to my master. But her brother and her mother replied, let the young woman remain with us 10 days or so, then you may go. But he said to them, do not detain me now that the Lord has granted success to my journey. Send me on my way so I may go to my master. And they said, let's call the young woman and ask her about it. So they called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with this man? I will go, she said. So they sent their sister Rebecca on her way along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the cities of their enemies. Then Rebekah and her attendants got ready and mounted the camels and went back with the man. So the servant took Rebekah and left. Now Isaac had come from Beelahairoi, for he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate. And as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebecca also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebecca. So she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. I feel like we should say this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You'll be pleased to hear that I just want us to reflect on two things from this story. Uh, two things that will help us answer the question what does it mean to live in the blessing of God? And the first is that the God we're talking about the God who is full of grace and truth. Verse twenty seven uses a pair of words together which turn out to be a significant pair of words. said" and met. Translated here in the NIV is kindness and faithfulness. Praise, be, verse twenty-seven. Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned His kindness and faithfulness to my master. Could be translated true kindness, or often we hear of it as steadfast love. Or love and faithfulness as in Exodus 34 when God is revealing himself to Moses and uh, and he proclaims his name to Moses. Exodus 34 verse 6, the Lord passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Love and faithfulness, it's an important part of who God is. An important part of his character bound up with who he is. And once you get that, it makes reading John 1 even more exciting. Uh, John 1's exciting anyway, but once you understand this, then when you look at it, if you want to, it's page 1063. You don't have to. I'm going to read it out. John 1 verse 14 and 16 to 18 speak about the word who we know is Jesus. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, love and faithfulness, that steadfast love. Here's the Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Out of his fullness, we've all received grace in place of grace already given, laws given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God, and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. I don't have uh, all the answers for you if you're hurting or desperately longing for someone or something. I don't have all the answers for myself. But what I do know is that God has made himself known in the person of his Son, full of grace and truth, abounding in love and faithfulness, Yahweh, the Lord, did not abandon his kindness and faithfulness to Abraham. He's the same God today and will not abandon his kindness and faithfulness to you if he is your God. The best place to look for our answers is in Jesus, the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. See how he loved the outcast. See how he had compassion on the sick. See how he confronted evil. Observe how he brings hope into the darkest of situations. Ultimately, he is the one in whom we can live in the blessing of God. As Paul wrote to the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 1, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You know, actually, I ought to be thrilled and deeply thankful for passages like this. I ought to be thrilled and deeply thankful that the Lord, Yahweh, chose to bless Abraham with a son, Isaac, and chose to bless Isaac with a wife. I ought to be thrilled and deeply thankful because he's brought me in to share that blessing. As the Lord himself promised to Abraham earlier in his life, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Or more recently, in chapter 22, verse 18, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. But what do the first two verses of the New Testament part of the Bible say? Matthew chapter 1 starts with this, verse 1 and 2. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, and so on it goes in Matthew until we get to Jesus. You and I can be included in Yahweh's in the Lord's promise to Abraham that all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Because Abraham had a son, Isaac. Because Isaac had a wife, Rebecca. Because Isaac and Rebekah had a son, Jacob. And so on until we get to Jesus, the Messiah or the Christ. We can be sharing in this blessing. Christ is the, is the Greek kind of version of, of the Hebrew title Messiah, which means anointed. And it was referring to God's anointed one who he'd promised throughout the Old Testament part of the Bible. And you can draw a straight line From Genesis 12, verse 3, to Ephesians 1, verse 3. You can draw a straight line. The promise in Genesis 12, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, finds its fulfillment in Ephesians 1. Praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You and I can directly benefit from the Lord's guiding of Abraham's servant, to find Rebecca for Isaac because it's in that, in this story, our part in this story is that we come to share in all the blessing of God. What's more, like Isaac stood to inherit all of his father's riches, so in Christ we stand to inherit the kingdom of God. But notice this mission isn't over yet though. Have you noticed how the world's kind of continued since Jesus came? Abraham's great descendant finally came. He brought in the kingdom of God. He made a way for us to enter the kingdom and live in the blessing of God. But in a sense, it's unfinished. Certainly all the nations, this promise is for all the nations, certainly all the nations have yet to be reached. And at this point, we might remember the words that Matthew records on the lips of Jesus, the son of Abraham. All authority And in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. All nations will be blessed through Abraham. Here comes Jesus, and Jesus is sending out his church to go make a disciple of all nations. The church to go and continue that blessing, God's heart to bless all the nations. And if you're in Christ, you get to live in the blessing of the Lord. But not only that, if you're following Christ, then you've become a part of God's mission to bless the nations. I was just uh, hearing Joe kind of talk about the student welcome and everything over these coming weeks. And uh, yeah, absolutely, that's great. I was thinking, wow, also there's going to be international students. Students coming from other nations into this city. Some of them coming from nations where we wouldn't be able to go if we tried. I think of uh, Cheyenne and then the kind of the story with Cheyenne last year. People coming from places where we couldn't reach them if we tried to go there. But God's got a heart to bless the nations. We've got a mission to continue that blessing of the nations. And part of that can be our welcoming of international students without even having to leave Southampton. Uh, some people might like to leave Southampton, but you don't have to do this. So uh, what an exciting opportunity we've got over these coming weeks. The God who's full of grace and truth we'll come back to that in a moment. The second reflection is that He's the God who provides. Remember my question as we read the passage, Who's the lead character in the story? Is it Abraham? Is it the servant? Is it Rebecca? Or is it someone else? Verses one and 35: "Speak of the Lord being the one who blesses. Verse 7 hints at who is really leading here. Abraham said, The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying to your offspring, I'll give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. It's to the Lord that the servant prays in verse 12. It's the Lord who, in verse 14, the servant acknowledges is sovereignly working to choose a wife to bless Isaac with. It's the Lord who the servant worships in verses 26 to 27. The man bowed down and worshiped the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. He's the one who's led me on the journey. And Laban and Rebekah's family even recognize in verses 50 to 51 that this is from the Lord. And it's interesting, they use the name Lord. We're kind of reading it in Lord in capital letters in our English translation. The Hebrew word is Yahweh. It's a title, a personal name of God that he revealed himself by. And here's Laban and Rebekah, miles and miles and miles away from Abraham's, the current sort of Abraham family, Abraham and Isaac. And they're using the title, the name Lord, not just a general word for God. He's the one who's working in all of this. He's the one who's working out his providence, as we sometimes call it. The journey that kind of Isaac, uh, that the servant went on, would have taken at least a month for the servant. It was a long way away, but that's hardly covered. It doesn't really mention the distance. No indication is given how the servant knew where to go. It was kind of like the the Bake Off. Um, I wish I, I don't actually like it that much. There's, there's kind of like—is it the technical challenge, or the one where they basically just give you a bit of paper and they make it out? It's really hard because you, you don't know what to do. I mean, it's all—it's easy, isn't it? It's kind of flour and butter and whatever. But, but kind of—they yeah, make it out. There's no direction, so it's really difficult. Well, the servant here had very little direction, but that's not really a big deal in the story. Perhaps uh, the silence on this—someone has kind of suggested—bears witness to the to the presence of the messenger who God said he would send, who Abraham rather said to the servant that God was sent. The servant has no guarantee that his mission will succeed, someone has written, only that he will have divine guidance. He will send his angel before you, Abraham said to the servant before this mission. And the servant said in his worship, on discovering who Rebecca is, the Lord has led me on the journey. The Lord has led me. The Lord was the one who was working uh, in all of this. And it's just great, isn't it? He kind of, I wish we, we do not really have time to go into like, loads of the details, but you know, he kind of gets there and he asks her for, for a sip of water and he's kind of tentative praying, mm, if, if, if this. He asks for a sip of water, a little bit of water. She gives him all he wants to drink. And they, they act quickly. There's this running and this, just this action emphasized, which kind of confirms, doesn't it, that the Lord was in this that he was the one who was working this out. She goes to kind of, I kind of read this the first time and didn't really think much of her offering to water the camels. But it probably is quite a big thing, isn't it? To go and get all all the water that 10 camels could drink. And it's not like she's getting a hose and shoving it in their mouth. She's got to take her jug down to the well, draw the water, come back again, take the jug down, draw it, come back again for 10 camels. And yet she's doing this instantly and quickly. It shows that the Lord is behind all of this. He's the one who's bringing this about. And, uh, and when, when it gets to the servant's kind of discussion with Laban, Rebecca's brother, he, notice he, he could be making a big deal of Abraham's riches. He, he could say, oh, well, yeah, because Abraham's so rich, we'll send you Rebecca because he's got so much wealth and, and Isaac's going to inherit that well, we'll send her off to, for a rich husband. That's, that's, a good, that's a good idea. But that's not what they say. It could be because they're descended from the same family line that, uh, that they agree to send Rebecca off because they're relatives. But that's not what they say. It could be because uh, they, they know that Abraham is obedient to the Lord. But that's not the reason they give. Over all these things, the reason they give is the unmistakable hand of, of God. Someone who's a, a commentator has written, Laban has prepared to accept the fact that Yahweh is involved in this event because he's made his decision. Rebecca is the one for Isaac. Laban no longer has the privilege of making his own decision. Laban and Bethel make no mention of the wealth of Abraham or of the kinship between Abraham and Nahor as valid reasons for Rebekah to leave and marry Isaac. Their only reason for relinquishing her is the unmistakable hand of God, throughout this whole episode. It's not the servant, or Abraham, or Isaac, but rather their God that Laban and Bethuel find persuasive. God is at work in all this, providing uh, for his people. And uh, some of us might think of just amazing uh, promises in Scripture like that in Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose, And uh, if you're struggling at the moment, then I encourage you to to read that chapter of Romans, and and particularly from verse 28 to the end. And yes, this was kind of a fairly happy story that we're reading about today. But in the stories where we struggle as well, we can know God's providence, God's working to bring about blessing, to bring about his purpose. As uh, William Cowper, hymn writer, and the 18th century wrote in his hymn, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. There's this great couple of verses. Listen to this. You fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. I think that's kind of seen in why there's this big deal about not taking Isaac back to Abraham's own homeland. Why does Abraham make a deal of that? Why does he say to the servant, don't, don't take him back there, you can't do that. Maybe uh, the Lord's promise to Abraham back in chapter 15 has something to do with it. The Lord said to him in chapter 15, know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace. And be buried at a good old age in the fourth generation your descendants will come back here Abraham knew the promise of God and Abraham was committed to holding on to God's word if God had said it he would do it if God had said it he would do it and Abraham that'd been his story all through uh, we can read that you if you've been doing it in the homework if God has said it he would do it And the Lord had spoken these words to Abraham over 50 years ago, possibly as many as 88 years ago. If God had said Abraham's descendants for 400 years would be strangers in a foreign country, then Isaac was not to return. If God had said that in the fourth generation Abraham's descendants would return home, then Isaac, the first generation, was to stay away. And so this kind of example of Abraham holding on to the promise of God I want to encourage us this morning whatever situations we might be facing or maybe situations we don't even know we're going to face yet but we need to learn to hold on to the promise of God to wait uh, for his blessing to wait patiently but maybe it's not just about uh, our troubles and the things we find hard perhaps we could be looking too for the providence of God in in our day to day lives maybe in in, in your workplace is God God there? God's very clearly working in the details here. It's the Lord that's behind all of these things here. Has he abandoned you in your day-to-day life? Or is he at work in in our day-to-day lives? Well, we could be looking for him, trusting in him, praying for him to be with us in our day-to-day lives, on our front lines. And even, uh, dare I say it, worshipping him there in our front lines. Notice that not once does uh, this passage record the servant thanking uh, Rebecca for the water or, or for watering the camels. It doesn't uh, thank her for saying, yeah, come back and stay with us. It doesn't thank Laban for the welcome. It doesn't thank the family for allowing them to take their daughter away. But constantly praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. Constantly he's worshipping throughout this story. That was a, a, just a kind of challenge to me of how much through these kind of details of the day am I saying, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for, for this, for that, for what you're doing. Worship is the right response to his providence. Anyway, uh, once we uh, finish, we're going to kind of look at a video which can try and bring together some of this, bring together thinking about his grace and truth, uh, bring together thinking about his providence in our lives, uh, it's uh, a video of a song uh, uh, written uh, by a German a hymn writer in the 17th century. And uh, I would encourage you to kind of think in the video, this picks up this theme of looking to, forward to our eternal hope. Um, so uh, you'll see the, kind of the, 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 the hymn is Be Still My Soul. Uh, Lord's on your side, but as his hints of looking to this joyful end. And, uh, and then this great thing in, in the final verse, verse 3 Be still, my soul, the hour is hastening on when we shall be forever with the Lord. When disappointment, grief, and fear are gone, sorrow forgot, love's purest joy restored. Be still, my soul, when change and tears are past, all safe and blessed, we shall meet at last. Let's kind of uh, respond in our hearts as we watch this video. And trust the Lord who is full of grace and truth. He's full of grace and truth for you. He's full of grace and truth for me. And he's at work to bring good in our lives if we trust in him and we love him. Let's watch this video together.